You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher at MLB.com, joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com National Content Editor. It is Thursday, May 20th. On today's show, we are clearly going to be talking about no-hitters. We're going to be talking about Shohei Otani, the full Shohei Otani experience, why Nolan Arenado is having his best-ever career start, if Miami's Trevor Rogers is already the best draft pick in the 2017 draft, and go with some guys you need to know and a rant or two at the end as well. Matt, before we get into no-hitters, I did have a question for you. Have you been following the play of the Palm Beach Cardinals of the low-A Southeast League? Um... Vaguely, no. The answer to that is no. Well, I think There's, I think I know. I think I might be know where you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably do. But let me have my fun anyway. Let's let's say you're I don't know Jordan Walker or Matt Kaperniak or Carlos Soto. These are hitters for the Palm Beach Cardinals, and you haven't played baseball in like two years because you were drafted last year and there was no season. And you have like two weeks of games to start the season. You play Daytona and you play Jupiter, and then you have a day off to start this week, and you start to look ahead to play the St. Lucie Mets. And you wonder, okay, well, I wonder who I'm going to hit against. Is it going to be Cam Op or Joander Suarez or Garrison Bryant? And instead, on Tuesday, you get Seth Lugo, and on Wednesday, you get Noah Syndergaard. And tonight, Thursday, you get Jacob deGrom. <laughs> and I'm starting to wonder if the Port St. Lucie Mets have a better rotation than the New York Mets <laughs> at the moment. And I guess like, here's the real question from the point of view of those hitters, are you like groaning because you're just trying to get your pro career off the ground and you got to face those dudes? Or are you like, you know, I, there's no guarantee I get to the majors. It's going to be super cool to say I face Jacob DeGrom one day. Oh, no question. You're excited. Not just that. I think there's the idea of if there are pro scouts in attendance and I like, barrel happen to barrel up a fastball from Jacob deGrom they're gonna remember my name like I think there's like real value in like being like this is this is my chance to actually like get people to to, to remember who I am I think that's I I would have to guess while I'm sure they're they're nervous because these are um better pitchers um than they're used to facing uh I would have to imagine they're pretty excited for the shot at uh this is like you know this is like when Rocky got picked out to face Apollo Creed. Like, like <laughs> you get, this is your chance. <laughs> that is um, that's a great point. One thing I think I can guarantee, just because it's a rehab start and Jacob Degrom is probably not going to go nine innings, that he will not throw a no hitter, which might make him the only pitcher in baseball today who has no <laughs> shot of throwing a no hitter. Uh, I did like there's there's games happening as we're as we're recording this. One of them is Reds and Giants, and I saw uh, Trent Rosencrantz from The Athletic tweet, Nick Castellano breaks up Johnny Cueto's no-hit bid with no outs in the first, <laughs> which is like kind of a perfect way to say it. I don't know if you've noticed, there have been a lot of no-hitters this year. There were two no-hitters in the last two days. Spencer Turnbull of the Tigers no-hit the Mariners, and then Corey Kluber of the Yankees no-hit the Rangers. There have been six no-hitters this year. I'm sorry, Madison Baumgartner, we're not including you right now. It's just the way it is. Four of them in the last 15 days. The record for no-hitters in a season is eight in 1884. Uh, the more modern era record is seven, set in a variety of different seasons. There's a lot to get into here, but the thing that stands out to me the most is so six no-hitters have come against three teams. 27 teams have not been no-hit, so I guess <laughs> I guess there's that. Uh, the Mariners have been no-hit twice. 
The Indians have been no hit twice. The Rangers have been no hit twice. Note that those are all American League teams. That is the most fascinating thing to me here. All of the teams that have been no hit this year have had the DH. And we talk a lot about how pitchers can't hit and they extremely cannot hit, but it's not National League teams being no hit. It's American League teams. I I think that's just a fluke of nature. I don't think there's any deeper meaning to it, but that kind of blows me away. I mean, pretty clearly Cleveland and Seattle have, you know, porous offenses, you might say. Uh, Texas has been better than I thought, to be honest, but... Yeah, I mean, we're not. It's not the Red Sox and the Dodgers getting no hit here, right? Let me ask you a question. Do you know what Seattle's team batting average is this year? And I know we don't usually use batting average on this show, but for the purposes of a no hitter, it's extremely relevant. So, do um, you know what Seattle's team batting average is this year? I, yeah, I knew. I knew what it was after after they got no hit the other day. I don't know what it is after yesterday's game, but it's somewhere along the lines of like one ninety eight. It is exactly 198. Okay, great. <laughs> great. 30th out of 30 teams, and they have the DH. They are worse than every National League team. The Indians are 29th in batting average at 213, 15 points higher than the Mariners, just to tell you how much worse the Mariners are than everyone else. So we have two American League teams at the bottom in batting average, so it is actually no surprise that those two teams have been no hit twice. As you mentioned, the Rangers actually have a team batting average of 236, which ranks 14th in the majors. So, yes, them getting no no hit twice actually is kind of fluky. But it, the Indians and the Mariners, no, that's not fluky. If there are any teams that's going to be no hit, it's going to be them. I, I got to look up when those two teams are playing each other this year. Because, <laughs> like, if, I mean, I don't think they've played it, each other yet, but there's yeah, going to be no, no just, hits. It just happened last um did they? When Jared Kelnick made his debut, it was against Cleveland. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, well, maybe they have another, the other side of that home and home. There, so because there's no so many no-hitters, there's like an enormous amount of consternation about like what this capital letters means in baseball. And I think that's all valid, but I do think you can get too sucked up in that and maybe not realize how incredibly good Corey Kluber looked last night. Like, I get it. The Rangers can't hit. Nobody in baseball can hit. But Corey Kluber is a multiple-time Cy Young Award winner who looked phenomenal. Like, I don't want to take away the credit from him because this is a guy who's been there and has done amazing things. And it was really fun to watch the game last night just because the way he pitches. I, I We've talked, I think, a couple of times about there are pitchers who are good who we don't necessarily uh, enjoy watching aesthetically. Like, Blake Snell is one of those guys, right? Corey Kluber, I, I enjoy watching a lot because he's always had these pitches that move a lot. Last night, he threw 31 curveballs, 27 cutters, 23 sinkers, 18 changeups, and only two four-seamers. And he's actually been pretty good. Uh, he's been throwing his changeup a lot more lately. He actually, over his last six starts, has a 2.03 ERA. And if you look at his like changeup game-by-game for the year, about halfway through the season, about at that last six game started point, uh, he's been using it more. He's been throwing it about 20% this month. And it's not a fluke. This is like a Yankees thing. Now, Garrett Cole has been doing the exact same thing. And if you go back to like, you know, his Cy Young award winning years from 14 to 17, he never threw more than 13 changeups in a game. Now he's throwing 18 changeups. And again, I know like this is a very down offensive period, but it's, it's cool to see Corey Kluber doing that especially because when we came into the season you talked about the Yankees and you're like okay Cole's great who else do I trust like do I trust literally any other starting pitcher it's been pretty good like Montgomery's been okay I know Tyon's got a 573 ERA but he's also striking out 11 per nine and if you look at the stack cast expected ERA it's 357 Domingo Herman's been okay you look at the four non-Cole starting pitchers that's a 415 ERA which would be like the 15th best rotation it's like an average rotation and also you get Garrett Cole like that's a good sign for the Yankees 
and I mean, Kluber looks like a different pitcher, and it's almost like a good reminder that sometimes we're too quick to write people off. Um, and I think it's for the reasons you mentioned, right, that he has always had a really good array of pitches, his pitches move, that like there was reason to believe, and I'm this is obviously what the Yankees thought, there was reason to believe that, you know, he basically had a lost year for um, uh, uh, in 2019, uh, because of injuries, he pitched one inning for the Rangers. Um, Last year, 2020, right? 20, sorry, 2020, yeah. pitched one inning for the Rangers. He, uh, one of the batters he retired was David Dahl, then on the Rockies. Last night, the second to last batter he retired in the game was David Dahl. <laughs> Rangers <laughs> legend, Corey Kluber. <laughs> Um, did you also know they were giving out uh, Corey Kluber bobbleheads last night at the game? S- sort of. I, it was I, like it was Corey Kluber, it was like bobble. They did like a bobblehead grab grab bag of all the bobbleheads they didn't right. give out in the 2020 season. But the right, Corey right. Kluber bobbleheads they intended to give out were among those in the grab bag, which I think is is tremendous. But yeah, as you mentioned, the changeup. Like he's. I mean, I don't think the changeup is the sole reason that he has you know you know turned his season around. But basically, since he started throwing it, he's been good. Um, and you know, according to um, the run value metrics on baseball savant, his changeup has a negative four run value, which is top 10 in the majors. And the aforementioned Garrett Cole is tied with John Means for the lead at um, at, minus, at minus nine. So the change is doing something for, for Corey Kluber. Yeah, it's it's been really impressive for him. And this was such a huge thing for the Yankees. It's like, you know, you're banking on Tyon to be healthy and you're banking on Kluber to be healthy. And it's it's worked out so far. You know, there's no guarantee they will stay whole for the remainder of the season. Obviously, injuries have been a big problem across the sport this year, but you'll probably get Luis Severino back at some point and, you know, they can always make a trade. And I think that's that's cool. And I, I did want to make sure we talked about that before we get too sucked into the fact that nobody can hit or will ever hit again. Um, like I said, there's there's a bunch of afternoon games on today. I'm not entirely confident that there won't be another no hitter before anybody hears this podcast right now. Um, can we talk about the Mariners for a second? I, I know they're not the only team that's been no hit twice, but they sure are involved in a lot of no hitters, aren't they? <laughs> This is my favorite stat that I've heard maybe in like five years. And it blew my mind. It was like we did like after the 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 Turnbull, uh, the, the Spencer Turnbull no-hitter was against the Mariners on Tuesday night. And, you know, on MLB.com, usually after a no-hitter, um, our research group will do like, hey, here are like 10 cool facts about the no-hitter. And one of the facts in there, which blew my mind, is that uh, Kyle Seeger, the Mariners third baseman, has now been a part of... Of nine no hitters in his career, just with the Mariners. So he's the, that is the most no hitters a player has ever been a part of, either on the the the, the offensive or defensive side of, defensive side of the ball um, with one team. The most they're, they're not history, they're not nine against him, right? Like he's no, had it's, some it's, joy. There have been four Mariners no hitters where he has been okay. he has been been uh, playing the field for the Mariners. Felix Hernandez perfect game in 2012, a combined no hitter by the Mariners in 2012. Uh, Iwakuma in 2015 and James Paxton in 2018. And then he was in the Mariners lineup when Philip Umber threw a perfect game against the Mariners. <laughs> the Angels combined no hitter in 2019. The Astros combined no hitter in 2019. The John Means no hitter earlier this year. And the Spencer Tonerville no hitter. You know, Cody Kluber and Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone, a baseball lifer who'd been a manager and a player and like everything. Had said he had never been involved with the no hitter before last night. How is that possible? <laughs> Kyle Seeger has been a part of nine of them. Um, in case you're wondering, Bert Campanaris has the record for eleven uh, being involved in eleven no hitters as a pitcher, or you know, either being no hit or being part of a no hitter. Um, and uh, Seeger is tied with Reggie Jackson for second on the all time list with nine. It's just, it is, it's, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> 
did did Burkamp and Aris play a different position in each of those no hitters? I wish <laughs> that'd be good. History jokes. Um, I always loved that Felix Hernandez perfect game, by the way, just because like I I have this pair of friends from home, this couple who I've known since high school, and they flew out to Seattle for a vacation, and they they got off their plane. They're like, "What do you want to do today?" I I don't know. Let's go walk over and see a Mariners game, and they bought tickets like five minutes before the game, and it was the Felix Hernandez perfect game. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty wild. I mean, it was Felix Hernandez threw a perfect game that year at Safeco Field, and Philip Umber also threw a perfect game that year at Safeco Field. There have been a lot of no hitters in perfect games, as as we've just noted, because of Corey Seager, not all of these have been at Safeco Field, but definitely something about the Mariners' poor off- offense over the last few years, combined with some good pitchers, that has led to a lot of no hitters at that ballpark. So yeah, let me let me phrase it to you. Let me put put it to you, Mike. Do you do, do the no hitters? You know, do they? bother you where do, where do you stand on like all the hand-wringing about all the no-hitters uh they don't right now if we get to the end of the season and there's been like 18 no-hitters <laughs> and we shatter the record by like more than double then like yeah I, I can tell you what i like about them so far and this is just like a purely aesthetic thing for me i like that every single one of these six no-hitters to this point you can even include Bumgarner if you feel like it has been thrown by one pitcher right I, it's so much less interesting to me when it's a combined no hitter and here comes the fourth reliever to get the last six outs. It's not as special to me as when you have like one guy going in the distance and jumping into the arms of his catcher. Like that actually makes a big deal to me and we haven't seen it yet. Um, I think it's pretty clear we're going to shatter the record. Like there's, there's no doubt about that. I don't think we're going to keep up a pace of, of four no hitters every two weeks. That would seem unreasonable to me, but I'm trying to look at the bright side here. Let's hypothetically say we do. Let's say we get through the season and we shatter the moderate record of seven with, I don't know, 20, right? That feels to me like that would be maybe the impetus um, to make some necessary changes to make life easier on haters. You know, like maybe you have to hit the bottom to come back up. I don't know. It's not too, it's not too many yet. Um, was, people forget like, you know, in 1990, I remember this, I was eight years old. There were two new hitters on the same day. You know, like some of this, I think, is related to uh, the offensive doldrums of the sport right now. And I I think some of it is randomness. Like we're not going to keep up this pace all year long. Dot famous last words. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I think that's part of it in my head, too. I think I agree with almost pretty much everything you said. It's like I remember, you know, June of 1990 when there were four no hitters and there were two on the same night. I don't know if it was that year or a year later, but like, you know, there. I can remember years when which there were seven. So like if if there are like nine or ten this year, which seems like very feasible and like reasonable, like if I had to guess that we'll end up with like nine or ten, that doesn't seem so crazy to me. That's just like, you know, an outlier, but not like an insane outlier. But yes, I think if we get to, you know, if we more than double the record, that's when <laughs> right. we might see some some real changes. So I, I, I'll, I'll wait to that point for now. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's less it's a little less interesting because it happened two straight nines, although it's kind of comical that it did. Um, but the one thing about no hitters too, that I think, and this is, this is like my theory and is that, and this is just kind of technology in general. I think one of the reasons no hitters have been a little bit spoiled for fans is that we're constantly aware of them in a way that we weren't prior to like cell phones and push alerts. Like we're constantly made aware. Basically anytime a pitcher has a no hitter going into the seventh inning, you know, we're made aware that it's happening, which is cool because like, hey, if you want to go like go watch it and check in, you can. 
but there's there's a lot less mystery to it. Like before, you know, back in my day when I was a kid, like you wouldn't know if someone had a no hitter. You might get it on the ESPN scroll and be like, hey, like so some random person has a no hitter going into the seventh. But you weren't constantly reminded when people had no hits bids, no hit bids going. So when they happened, they felt extra special. And like maybe you'd luck into like a live look in on ESPN just because like the stars aligned and you were watching and they were like, hey, we're gonna do a live look in. Someone so and so is in the ninth inning of a of a of a no hitter and you can watch. But like for the most part, they would just happen in, in the local fans would be aware of them, but there was no Twitter. There was nothing alerting you constantly that like this thing was happening. And I think as a result of that in the last few years, not just no hitters have been spoiled us, but near no hitters because we're just like constantly aware of no hitters in progress. Yes, that is that is definitely the problem and not the overwhelming dominance of pitchers. <laughs> um, at this rate, in the 2022 Major League Baseball season, we will have the pitcher's mound at second base, <laughs> I think. The last thing I want to say about this before we take a quick break is, I believe, of the six no-hitters, five of them have taken place uh, in the West or Central time zones, right? I think only the, the Cleveland-Cincinnati one was in the Eastern time zone, which is not meaningful in any way other than people love to shout east coast bias and look west coasters central time zones you've had all the fun this year i can't say i've seen the final out of all six of these no hitters because i extremely have not we will take a quick break and we'll be right back on the ballpark dimensions podcast talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. We are back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petrillo and Matt Myers. We're going to move on into our three batter minimum. And the first one here is something that has, at least for me, changed considerably since I thought we would talk about it yesterday. I want to talk about Shohei Otani and the full Shohei Otani experience and how unbelievably amazing and incredible he's been while at the same time Mike Trout is hurt. And before like we dive into numbers here, Matt, did you watch any of the Angels game yesterday? Um, I was not able to. Um, uh, my wife and I actually went out to dinner last night, which was very oh, exciting. Oh, look so at I, you. I, I, uh, I missed the uh, missed missed the start, but I I I read I read all about it and watched some some highlights, and it was not Otani's um, best performance of the year. No, so listen, like we, we had obviously for for good reasons, I think everybody's pumping up Otani as this incredible player. He's leading the majors in home runs 
right now. He's got a 627 slugging percentage. He's got the most extra base hits in baseball. Like he's, he's crushing it. Almost as impressive as all that to me is that he's played in every single game. He has started all but one game and he pinch it in that other one. And if you think about what he's doing as a two-way player, that he's almost literally never taking a day off, that's incredible to me. You know, he's leading the majors in win probability added. He is, if you were to look at the Fangraphs version of war and you combine his hitting and his pitching, he is uh, number six in the American League and wins above replacement. But because a couple of the guys ahead of him are injured or are probably for other reasons not going to win the MVP, like he might be the MVP for a runner right now. Like Buxton is hurt. We don't know when he's going to come back. Trout is hurt, which we'll get to in a second. I don't feel like Garrett Cole is, you know, they don't usually like to give it to pitchers if they can. So maybe it'll be him, but maybe not. And to me, it's like a three-way race right now. You know, it's Otani. Um, it's Vlad Jr. who's been phenomenal. Bogarts has been great, but, you know, defensive metrics hate him and Otani. And you just kind of like factor in all of this otherness, like this, this cool experience that he's doing these things that nobody since Babe Ruth has done, or he's, you know, starting on the mound and hitting second and crushing the ball. And he's got 45 strikeouts and 30 innings. And I just, I don't think you can overhype this enough. Like it's just the coolest thing. And he was the, the, his start last night was the free game of the week on MLB TV. And it was on MLB network. And then he comes out and he starts throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs. <laughs> and I'm just like watching it through my like fingers over my eyes going, oh no, I've seen this before. This happened in 2018. It was the exact same thing. Velocity was down and then it was Tommy John surgery. And it was it was weird to watch because not only did he stay in, like he was he was decent, even though the Angels lost, which we'll get to in a second. You know, like he got through uh I guess got through almost five innings, right? Uh, but his fastball velocity was down five miles an hour and his splitter was down seven miles an hour, although he did hit 95 on the fastball in the fourth inning. And then after the game, he said, I think my body was just feeling really heavy and sluggish. And you Darvish tweeted that he'd had similar issues after Tommy John. So like, fine, but I don't know, man, five ticks on your fastball, seven on your splitter like that. Uh, it's just all very scary to me. <laughs> It is scary, but I do think that's one of the, the unknown factors, right? We have nothing to compare them to of like how the body will respond to um to, to like being a position player and also trying to to pitch and you know pitch the next day, which no one's ever really done. And even even Otani this year, like his pitching outings had been pretty well spaced out. And this is like I feel like only the last couple couple of turns have they really tried to get him on even something like close to, you know, semi-regular like you regular like rest for example like his first start was april 4th then he didn't pitch again for another 16 days then he pitched six days later then he pitched like 10 days later then he pitched six days later and i guess this was eight days later so maybe not actually you know maybe i'm i'm sort of but it does feel like he's been his pitching has been a little more um regular after that big gap um to begin the season but yes it's a it's a it's a big um drop off and it does make you wonder if next time they will either a rest him the day before he pitches or not let him hit the day that he pitches, which would be sad. Yeah, no, I, I know you didn't watch the game closely, but I, I did get a kick out of the sequence at the end here. So he got uh, two outs in the fifth inning and then he walked somebody and he was removed on the mound, but not from the game. You know, he moved to right field because he was due up fourth uh, the next inning and they wanted to let him hit, which makes sense. He's a phenomenal hitter. So the two things I wanted to point out here is first, I think I'm not sure I can think of a weirder outfield alignment in recent baseball history because what happened was they had uh, Jose Rojas and left who's he's a third baseman. He's, he's a utility guy, I guess, but even in the minors, he only played 16 games in the outfield. So he's your left fielder, Justin Upton in center, 
who hadn't played center in like five years and is at this point a below average left fielder and Otani, who's a pitcher in right field. That's like one of the weirdest outfields I think I can think of. So he was up fourth and the Angels went down one, two, three. So he didn't get to hit. So he played right field again in the sixth inning. And in the bottom of the sixth, he comes up and he leads off. And like, this is the plate appearance. You know, this is this is why Joe Madden put him in right field. And he bunts against the shift. And it's like, okay, you got to hit. I, like, I'm not going to complain about that too much. It just it was kind of funny that you go through all these histrionics just to keep him into the game so he can bunt <laughs> against the shift. <laughs> and then he got thrown out trying to steal and they lost the game. That's kind of the larger point here. The Angels are six and 12 in May. They are 18 and 24. They are in fourth place. Fangraphs gives them 10% playoff odds. And now just brutally crushing. Mike Trout is out with a calf strain six to eight weeks. So I guess that's what early to mid July. If everything goes well, they have been a losing team with Mike Trout. What are they going to look like without Mike Trout? I mean, they, I didn't think they're going to make the playoffs two months ago. Now they're like extremely not going to make the playoffs. Do, do you disagree with me here? No, I, I mean, I was, I was sort of the, the, the somewhat maybe just sort of optimistically because I wanted it to be true high on the angels going into the year, just because I was skeptical of the A's and the Astros. But yes, if Trout's going to miss six to eight weeks um, and it's really become a problem for him in his career because like He's missed significant time in basically every season going back to 2016. Last year, he played in 53 of 60 games. So it's been a 60-game season. So, like, the impact of that was felt less. But, you know, 134 the year before that, 140 the year before that, 114 the year before that. He hasn't played more than 140 games since 2016. Um, and, you know, that when we think of, like, oh, the Angels haven't been able to make the playoffs yet. They have Mike Trout. That's not the only reason that, that that's been the case. But it's definitely a factor when – just any team, if you lose your best player for, you know, basically a month every season, that's going to have a big impact. I said before the season, I thought this might be his final year playing center field. And I don't know, a lower leg injury doesn't sort of change my mind on that. And I, I hate to even say this because you're a team with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon and everything. They have a lot of guys in the final years of their contract, right? Like Fowler's injured. So, you know, set him aside, but like Alex Cobb, Rysel Iglesias, Dylan Bundy, Jose Quintana, Andrew Heaney, Jose Iglesias, Kurt Suzuki, Alex Claudio, Tony Watson. Like I get, you can't trade away an entire roster, but they're going to have to be turning to selling in the near future, which stinks. It's uh, just dreadfully disappointing because every time someone says, well, you know, marketing Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And it's like, is that true? Yeah. Okay, fine. But they're never in the playoffs ever ever nobody cares about guys who aren't in the playoffs it stinks but it's true all right here's our second item nolan arenado is having a great start for st louis he is hitting 305 with a 357 on base a 571 slugging percentage that is a 153 weighted runs created plus which is 18th best in baseball it's actually similar to shohei otani his 929 ops is his fifth best in his career but if you adjust that for bark this is easily the best of his career I think part of it is that the the shoulder that we worried about so much last year, it seems healthier. His heart hit rate is up from 33 to 39%. But if you know me at all, you know why I'm talking about this. It's because, did you notice that he left course field and he didn't stink? He didn't forget how to hit? Huh. Wow. I, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> I, it's like I, like, I was watching a Rockies game last week and even like the, like the Trevor story came up and they were talking about him getting traded. I think it was the road broadcast. I forget which team he was, they were playing against. And they put up a graphic of like, well, like, look at his splits. Like, this is why you be, you know, buyer be, 
buyer beware. And I just wanted to like bang my head against the wall. Like, <laughs> Come on, guys. At some, at some point, people are going to get this. I think it's actually started to break through a little bit thanks to DJ LeMahieu. You think yeah. Matt Holiday, you know, 10 years ago going to uh, Colorado, going to St. Louis and having the best years of his career would have done it. But, you know, it's, I, I don't know what it's going to take, but we might be getting there. We're still obviously not all the way there. The issue isn't, the, isn't that you can't hit outside of Colorado. The issue is that when you play on the road after playing in Colorado, the ball reacts differently and it's hard to hit when you're changing your altitude so much. I mean, the, the Rockies home road splits this year, we talked about this recently, are just like insane. They keep getting worse. They got shut out again yesterday. They have two they're like wins. Two and, they're two and 14 on the road or something crazy. I mean, it's it's the worst it's, it's the worst it's ever been. It's insane. I, I saw, I saw, I, I didn't read the story yet, but I saw a tweet from the Denver Post Sports and the headline was like, the Rockies aren't as bad as the pundits thought. They're worse. It's like, oh, but yes, to, to sum up, it's exactly right. What you said about leaving Coors Field, like when you leave Coors, will your home performance get worse? Almost certainly. Yes. And it's happened with Arenado. He had a, a 985 home OPS with the Rockies and is 899 with St. Louis. It's still pretty good, but it's clearly not hitting a Coors. But the expectation is you get away from Coors and it helps you on the road. And that's what happened here by a lot is 793 OPS on the road with the Rockies and 956 with the Cardinals. I don't think I expect that to keep up, but this has really fallen into exactly what you would expect to happen. And as you mentioned, DJ Mayhew, Matt Holiday, and if and when Trevor Story gets traded, um, I don't know. I guess there's a part of me that hopes that people don't start like figuring this out so I can just like keep indefinitely writing about it every two years with like the next good Rockies player. <laughs> there is something weird though, like Arenado's defense has been only okay. Um, if you look at outs above average, he's minus two. Defensive run saved, he's zero. I tweeted this the other day, and I sort of expected to get like a lot of pushback from you know nerds. He's great, you know. I don't care what the numbers say. I was actually pleasantly surprised that a, a bunch of Cardinals fans replied, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, it's that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, what's going on there?" Maybe it's a small sample weirdness. Um, maybe there's a Coors effect on fielding. I mean, there's not, but I'm going to try to make that there is. Someone pointed this out to me, though, and I thought it was interesting. When he's playing third base, and I don't mean listed as third base, like when he's playing where a third baseman plays, uh, he's plus two, uh, now it's above average. And when he shifted over against lefties playing shortstop, he's minus three, which is a pretty big difference. I know that's not minus two at rounding issues, but... Um, that's again, you know, you're splitting a small portion of the season into smaller splits. It may be something and it may be nothing, but I thought that was really interesting. And it's not exactly what I would expect from Nolan Arenado, but it is good to see that he's hitting well. The Cardinals are actually, you know, having a pretty good season and they are in first place. Our third item, let's look at the 2017 draft is Trevor Rogers from Miami already the best guy. I think he was like my guy you need to know on the show like five weeks ago, maybe. And he's continued pitching so well that we've promoted him from random guy to one of our three main topics here. And well, <laughs> I, this is your idea. I actually, I like this a lot. Like, I think, you know, I, I think what I had said was you, all those other guys they have there, like, you know, Sixto Sanchez and these other big arms and Pablo Lopez. We don't think about Trevor Rogers and we should, because you're, you're right. You know, he's, he's been fantastic. Yeah. So this, I got this idea from, it was a tweet from, um, uh, our friends at Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter from April 29th. Um, and I don't know if this was Jake or Jordan, the two guys who run the account. I don't know who tweeted this. Um, I can tell you how to figure it out. Do you want to know? There's a secret. Uh, one of them, unfortunately, I can't remember which is which, but one of them always tweets uh, with a capital letter to start and one of them doesn't. That's the trick. 
Oh, interesting. Well, I usually just think, well, if it's Mariners, it's it's Jordan. If it's oh, Orioles, yes. it's Jake. And otherwise, I have no idea. Um, but anyway, the tweet was, four years isn't nearly enough time to judge a draft, so this is just a snapshot. But digging into Trevor Rogers got me curious. Which 2017 first-rounders would you definitely rather have right now than Rogers? It might be fewer than you think. And I thought this was on April 29th, when at that point, Rogers had, had like four good starts. And I actually got in a conversation with um, – whoever wrote the tweet, and also Chris Crawford, who is a prospect analyst about this. And Crawford said something like, I really like a lot of the guys in that draft, but I want to give it a few more starts before I judge it. Well, it's been a few more good starts. Um, last night, um, Trevor Rogers uh, shut down the Phillies over seven and two-thirds innings, eight strikeouts, two walks, one run allowed. He now is uh, on the season 51 and two-thirds innings pitched, 1.74 ERA, um, 2.87 expected ERA, 273 expected weight on base against, um, like a 33% strikeout rate. And you look at the 2017 first round where Rodgers was the 13th overall pick um, by the Marlins. And I got to tell you, it's yeah, like kind of a slam dunk. For, it's like almost a slam dunk for me now. So just, I'm not going to read every name on the list, but like Royce Lewis was the first pick overall to the Twins. He was good early in the minors, but now he's hurt and out for the year. Hunter Green is a maybe. If you really believe in Hunter Green, who's actually off to a good start after missing time for Tommy John surgery, um, you might. He went to the Reds. You might take him. Number three was Mackenzie Gore to the Padres. Again, he's still a prospect, so he still is like the sheet. Like, we don't know what he can do in the in the in the majors. He's been good to the minors. He, I think, is maybe if you were like in love with him as a prospect, he you might. And then after that, there's like no one else you would even consider maybe one of the guys that I think Mike's going to talk about later in the show. So I'll use that as a teaser. Um, but you know, Brendan McKay, Kyle Wright, um, Adam Hazley, who just like left baseball, Keston hero, who's striking out like 45% of the time, Joe Adele, I guess maybe, but like right now, if like the Marlins said to the Rogers, Mar- Marlins said to the angels, we will trade you Trevor Rogers straight up for Joe Adele. Who do you think, who, what do you think the angels are saying? They're saying yeah, it's, yes. <laughs> it's um, you're making a strong case here. I'm kind of looking up and down the list here. Like the number six overall pick, I, and I, I'm not a prospect expert, so fine. But I don't think I've ever heard of Austin Beck, who was the number six overall pick to Oakland. Like I cannot remember the last time I saw his name. Um, and he's still an A ball right now, hitting hitting 100. Literally, yeah. You have Evan White, who you know, very good defensive first baseman, but appears that he he cannot hit at all. Um, David Peterson with the Mets has been okay. I mean, okay last year. He's been kind of torched this year. I, I like I like Tanner Houck from the Red Sox. He's pretty interesting. I hold out hope for Nate Pearson. I think he's going to be good. I sort of forgot about Seth Romero, who has like fallen off the face of the planet. And I'm going to go with maybe Jeter Downs. I, I still have hope for Jeter Downs. But as I'm eyeballing this list, you know, maybe Helio Ramos at some point. But I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. I think Trevor Rogers is the best pick from this first round. I, I fully support this take. I, I mean, it's, it's not like he will. I, I, to be clear, I'm not necessarily saying that he will have the best career. There's like way too much unknowns. I'm saying like if you redid the draft right now, he would be the first pick. Do you think that would actually happen? Like, I mean, some of the guys with the higher upside, like do you, do you think they would pick Rogers knowing what you know now over like Mackenzie Gore who hasn't had the chance to to fail? I guess, but like what we're seeing from that's sort of what I'm saying. What we're seeing right now from from Rogers in the majors is like really real, and it's like it's not just it's not like lucky. Bat, you know, he's like you you know he's all the numbers are like the, all the expected stats line up with the actual stats. The strikeout rate is well above average. Like he has the the the, the build. You know, he's six five to you know two two twenty big left hander with a you know really good uh, really good breaking ball. 
you know, excellent fastball, like 80, 80th and 90th percentile in like almost every expected stat on baseball savant. So it's just like he's already kind of done it in the majors. So just that, the fact that like right now it's like, oh, this guy looks like he's a number two starter, maybe more. You know, with even with the best prospects, there's like uh there's just a lot of like you never know how they're gonna respond when they get to the majors. And like just that that randomness alone makes me think that you can't you wouldn't you can't take that chance. Yeah, that's fair. I'm actually also just like looking ahead at the the second round here to see if there's anybody like later on who popped and it's like Griffin Canning, maybe? But uh, Dalton Varsho? I, I mean, I guess it's only been a couple of years and one of those years we didn't have minor league baseball. So it's maybe too soon to say. Um, I will also say well, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our random guys you need to know. As Matt kind of alluded to, my guy was a first round pick in 2017. But I can promise you, I had picked him before Matt decided he wanted to talk about Trevor Rogers. This was not intended to be a 2017 first round draft show. We will take a quick break and we'll be right back. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Welcome back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike and Matt, each week we like to identify a lesser known guy that I think you should know about. My guy, as we just talked about, is a first round pick from 2017. It's Paven Smith of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was the seventh overall pick that year out of the University of Virginia. And he's interesting. He's not even like necessarily having a great year. He's got a 299 on base and a 95 OPS plus. But he's been Arizona's primary leadoff hitter, and he fits like a really weird profile that just sort of tickles me. How many guys can you think of who play first base and center field regularly? Only two players in the last two years have started at least five games at both positions, Paven Smith this year and Cody Bellinger last year. It's not a combination you see that much, but here's my favorite part about this. Last month, he started playing center field, and this was a quote from, I forgot to write it down. I think it was the Arizona Republic. Despite having never played center field in his professional career until this season, he has transitioned from first to center rather quickly. And here's a quote from Smith. I don't think I ever even played it when I was in Little League. So when when Tim LaCastro got hurt and Tori Lovello, the manager, called my number, it was like, okay, here we go. And you'd sort of think that would be a recipe for a disaster, but it's been okay. No errors. Zero outs above average, which means average. Like That's pretty impressive. And I know he's not hitting well, but if you look at the hard hit per swing leaderboard. So when you see hard hit rate, it's usually expressed as hard hit per batted ball. And sometimes people complain about that because it just sets aside whether you made contact or not, like strikeouts should matter too. So this one's more about swing decisions, hard hit per swing. Look at the names on this list. Number one, Ronald Acuna. Number two, Manny Machado. 
Number four, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Number three, Paven Smith. That's incredible to me. How does he have a 90 OPS plus? I don't know. But when he swings, he hits it hard and he can play first base and center field. And that is all very fascinating to me. <laughs> that is very fascinating. I did not know that. The other guy I think of that played first base and center field for a while, or at least did it in the minors and then in the majors, was Dustin Ackley. Um, and that obviously didn't turn out so well. So hopefully, <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> um, there's the other, in addition to Cody Bellinger, that's the other name I think of in the first base uh, center field category. And now, yes, obviously, Paven Smith um, included. My guy, and you, you're, you're going to know the answer, Mike, because you've seen our, our our prep list. But I will pose this trivia question to the listeners out there. Going back to the start of the 2020 season, so 2020 and 21, the top five players in weighted runs created plus are. Names you would expect. Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, and Jose Ramirez. Mike, before you saw the sheet, did you have any idea who was sixth? Well, I know that I've got a lot of beef with picking a guy who's top six in baseball as a hitter over the last two years as the lesser known guy that people need to know about. But you're you're right. I would not have picked this particular player uh, top six. Yes, it's Jesse Winker. And I think that like we should be talking about Jesse Winker more because he's kind of – I think he's pretty unknown at this point. And he's – I mean, again, 2020 was a weird year, but he's kind of picking up where he left off in having a fantastic season once again at the plate. And what's interesting to me about it is that like the shape of his season is um, very different, right? Like When Winker was coming up, he was – I think he was a supplemental first-round pick, um, left-hand hitter – always had a really good eye at the plate. And last year was like very much in line with what you'd expect from like kind of a uh, uh, a Jesse Winker breakout year. He had a walk rate above 15%, which was among the league leaders. It was kind of like what, what you would expect. He actually had a really low batting average on balls in play, 283. Um, but he had an expected weight on base of 395 and a weighted runs created plus of 146 where 100 is league average. This year, however, he's walking a lot less. He's walking less than 8% of the time. Um, he actually has a 396 BABIP, which is which suggests maybe like a little regression could be coming. But the 377 expected weight on base is, you know, well above average. And the one constant, and I know this is a big thing for you, is he's swinging at the first pitch a lot more. You can track his breakout by up until last year, he swung at the first pitch like 22% of the time. And last year, he went above 30%. This year, he's above 30% again. Um, he's also managed to hit lefties. He used to be kind of useless against lefties. In 2019, he did not have a single extra base hit against left-handed, left-handed pitchers. Um, he was really good against them last year, a bit lesser, um, less good this year. Um, but it's funny because the, the, the Reds sort of have like a lot of storylines around them as a team. You know, you obviously, Votto is still there and interesting. Castellanos um, has had a big year. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is at a down year, this, the shortstop experiment. There's like always a lot going on with that team. And I actually think Jesse Winker is kind of unknown. And it's pretty impressive the numbers he's put up over the last two seasons. I'm with you. I, I'm a huge fan of Jesse Winker. Um, he's a really good fastball hitter. He's, he's not much of an outfielder, but that's okay. I mean, if they get the DH next year, maybe that'll be his future home. Um, for what it's worth, it's the top of the third inning and the Reds are losing 8 nothing to to the Giants. Um, and that's got not much to do with Jesse Winker. It's just something I noticed was happening. Um, the other game that's happening right now, by the way, Rich Hill is no hitting the Orioles through three. I don't know what would be more impressive to me, Rich Hill throwing a no hitter or Rich Hill throwing, throwing nine complete innings. Well, he, well, he threw a no hitter into the 10th a couple years ago. Well, I, I saw someone tweet today. I think it was Chris Kamka 
that like 15 years ago today, Rich Hill started the game for the Cubs that ended with like Michael Barrett and AJ Pruszynski, you know, throwing fists at each other 15 years ago. Anyway, I'm with you on Jesse Winker. We are going to finish off with our purpose pitch. And this is where we each get to have some rants. And you probably noticed we have made it through the entire show without talking about Tony LaRusa and your mean Mercedes and unwritten rules. And I, I don't want to talk about those things because to be honest, the whole conversation is just tedious and boring and it's bad for the sport and you can imagine all of my thoughts on them. And I just, I hate the entire thing. But my rant is somewhat related to that. It's specific to the White Sox. The White Sox are having a really good season. The White Sox are in first place. They had, at least as of the other day, the best run differential in baseball. And if you were to have been told, let's say a month before the season started, okay, here's how the beginning of the White Sox season is going to go. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is going to get hurt and miss the entire year. Luis Roberts going to get hurt and miss most of the year. Adam Engel is going to get hurt, so you have no outfield depth. Dallas Keuchel will forget how to miss bats. Uh, Lucas Giolito will not pitch that great. He was very good yesterday, but before that, he's not had a great season. Uh, Yasmani Grandal is hitting like a buck 20. You had to put Andrew Vaughn in left field and rely so much more on Billy Hamilton than anybody should in the year 2021. And despite all that, you're in first place. This is the best team in baseball right now. That's such a cool story. Like Carlos Rodon, coming back up and being healthy and great is a great story. Dylan Cease throwing strikes is a great story. And are we talking about any of that? We we are not because every 10 minutes, the manager gets his name in the paper and lights himself and his players on fire. And that that is my rant more so than the specifics of the 3-0 home run. It's just like your team is awesome. Let's Let's focus on that and not all this just ridiculousness. Minimize the trauma. Don't enhance it. That's my rant. Well said. Um, yeah, as Mike alluded to, my the only thing that feels worth ranting about is the ridiculousness of this controversy, and I'm 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 not going to rant uh, myself. Instead, I will cede my rant to CC Sabathia. I encourage you to go to uh, the Twitter account for his podcast at R2C2, um, where he did a uh, intense, uh, enthusiastic, um, <laughs> intense. impassioned. Not safe for children. Can we say that? Don't listen to yeah, it with probably, your kids around. Yeah, probably don't listen with your kids around. Uh, rant about uh, Tony La Russa and the whole silliness of getting, you know, calling out your mean Mercedes for uh, <laughs> yeah. a home run off a, of a team that it, that, it, that had stopped trying to stop trying to play. So it, that I will see. I will cede my rant time to that. And if you were if you were so inclined, go to r two at r two c two on Twitter, and you can watch the rant for yourself. Could not agree more. Uh, it was. Very well said by CC Zabathia and well said in such a way that we cannot even play you an audio clip of it right here because, yes, impassioned, I think, is definitely one of the ways to describe it. But I, I agree complete with everything that CC Zabathia said right there. That will do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, please leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Conventions podcast. See you next week. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. 
The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com MLB. GetRoman.com MLB. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team. 